0: Matters of the mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco.
1: When she comes to greet me.
2: Well, hello there, and welcome to Matters of the Mind. I'm Dr. Peter Sacco, the doc is online, also known as Canada's Psych Doc. And with me always and forever is Todd Miller, my co-host and producer. Todd, how are you?
0: Doing excellent today. and really excited about today's guest.
2: Yeah, I was just actually a little choked up here. I'm looking at a picture of him on a high wire crossing the Grand Canyon. And <laughs> I was a little bit breathless but- Look. <laughs>
0: I'm looking at a photo of him laying down on a tightrope across Canada's Wonderland, which is, uh, you know, laying down.
2: Kind of cool. And for those wondering who we're talking about, we're talking about the one and only, the great Nick Walenda, the fellow who has crossed Niagara Falls, which I saw as I live in the falls, um, also crossed the Grand Canyon, and he's going to be crossing the Georgia Dome very soon.
0: Wow. That's amazing. What, what's the height of that uh, walk going to be? Any idea? I guess he'll, I was, he'll tell I,
2: I believe I was looking at it. Um, I didn't see exactly what the height of it was. I know he's... It's called Winter Jam when he's going to be doing it. Um, I don't actually know what the height of that
0: is. Wow. Still, I mean, you know, I... I I think we set one of those up in my backyard at one point with, uh, when we were kids with a little bit of rope and, you know, it was maybe two feet off the ground and I was getting vertigo up there. It was just, uh, you know, no, I'm not good with heights.
2: Yeah, and a lot of it is what Nick is doing, Um and I'm a huge fan of Nick. I think uh, Nick, is a like myself, is a Christian, and a lot of his life is based on faith and inspiration. And that's what this is. Actually, what he's doing uh, that night is is a walk for inspiration. And I think that fellow is one of the most amazing people I've met in terms of he totally believes that all things are possible and that he can do it.
0: You know, and I kind of want to ask him, too, about that. I mean, I know he's very, uh, his faith is, is everything, but at some point... In the conversation, does it not enter your mind that you yourself has to have to have some sort of um, belief in yourself? And I'm sure he does, but I guess he's got a belief in a higher power that sort of uh, adds to his own self-confidence and belief that he can do anything.
2: Oh, absolutely! In fact, I uh, you know, as Nick's walking when he's walking across the the falls, you know, you, you see him in a constant state of gratitude, and you know, in the back in the we've had Jack Hanfield on who preached and talked about an attitude of gratitude, um, and I think Nick just takes it to a new uh, and differing level, you know, which involves Christianity, which I I get totally. And to quote Mother Teresa, be faithful in small things because it is in them that your strength lies. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short of the mark, that we get fed up, uh, discouraged when the small things fail in our lives, that a lot of us don't want to take on any bigger challenges because we're thinking, hey, if I can't do the small things, how the heck am I ever going to do something big?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, like you said, the little things, if you get derailed by the little things and it just sort of plants a little seed in your mind that this was not meant to be, I am not meant to do greater things with my life, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you get a little uh, stone caught in one of the grooves of your tire and you keep hearing it and you keep worrying about it and thinking, oh, this is it, you know, you just kind of have to just let go of those little things and, and focus on the big picture.
2: Oh, absolutely, and you know what? Todd, which is really interesting. Um, going back to to Jack Hanfield, when he appeared in the movie "The Secret" and also the book of the you know the same title, there was actually a quotation within the movie and the book by Martin Luther King, which is you know, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. So, I guess I guess it would be fair with asking Nick, faith is taking that first step when knowing the next one you may be basically a thousand feet below. <laughs>
0: Yeah, put one foot in front of the other. Reminds me of that, that song from the Christmas special, you know, put one foot in front of the other. You just got to keep going, put one foot, in, and eventually your destination will be coming closer to you. And I, I would hazard a guess that whether it was the Grand Canyon or whether it was Niagara Falls, uh, Nick probably had his eye on the horizon for, uh, you know, land.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, what's, what's important, and I think, uh, you know, I'm hearing him talk before, um and talking you know to his people and that stuff the what's interesting is about it is what you know he sees the end result you know he's not worried about you know not succeeding, but rather he sees success, and that's his only option, especially when you're that high up on a high wire that is your only option
0: yeah, you know I'm sure he would be one of the few people that could probably turn around on a on a on a high wire and go back the other way if he wanted to. But I, he doesn't strike me, strike me as that kind of person. It's like, okay, we're already a third of the way there. Let's keep going.
2: Absolutely. And you know what? I think that's with a lot of people in life, whether, you know, and we're using the high wire as an extreme here. And, you know, Todd and I are going to just put this out there. Do not attempt this at home, and we're not encouraging anybody to go out there and do any high wiring acts today. Um, but with that said, I think what it is and what Nick's message is is, uh, because he's got a great message, um, which is basically believe in yourself, um, believe in life, and believe that you are gifted. No matter what it is, you'll never know unless you try. And in fact, you know Nick's got a wonderful book called Balance, which is called a story of faith, family, and life on the line. Which you know we're going to have him talking about as well too
0: excellent well we're going to just go uh, fill our coffee mugs and try and uh, get down from the ledge here as we get ready to talk with nick you are of course listening to matters of the mind the doc is online with dr peter sacco on listen up talk radio we'll be right back after this short break <coughs>
2: I'm Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco, and do you have technological rage? Oh yeah, the new rage of anger. Download my new book today, Technological Rage, on my website, www.petersacco.com, and learn what technological rage is and how it is sweeping people today, leading to online dating anger, texting anger, and social online networking forums. Hmm, did you ever think you might get angry texting? Facebooking or online dating, maybe you never thought it would happen to you, or maybe you know somebody that has this and you just need to understand it a little more.
0: You're listening to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco, on Radio That Doesn't Suck.com and RTDS.ca.
2: there and welcome back to Matters of the Mind. The Doc is online. And as we teased and promised, we have who I think is just a total God blessing to not only us, but the world in terms of his message, balance, a story of faith, family, and life on the line. Welcome to our show, Nick Walenda. Thanks for having me on. So Nick, uh, so many places to go with, and uh, our show is actually broadcast out of Toronto, which is interesting in itself but I live in Niagara Falls and I was actually at the wire the day you walked across the falls I was there that morning having a scone from Starbucks and a cup of coffee looking at that wire neck and I believe I think I vomited in my own mouth <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it was you and not me so w- with that said Nick um I want to ask I guess How strong, myself, I'm a Christian, so I I get the whole faith uh, component. How strong is not only your faith, but I guess not only your faith in God, but also your belief in self? Is there a fine line between the two?
1: Look, you know, I I find my confidence in God, and I think God gives me that confidence. Uh, You know, every day I pray for wisdom and guidance and uh, wisdom in every decision that I make, including, you know, where my next walk will be. I think it's very important doing what I do, and really I believe it's very important in anyone's lifeline, um, no matter what you do, uh, that you have faith in God. Um, You know, I know where I'm going to go if I were to lose my life, whether it be driving in a car, getting on an airplane this afternoon uh, to fly up north, or, you know, uh, uh, an accident on the wire. It's important that I know where I'm going to go when I die, and, and there's a lot of strength in that.
2: So I guess, Nick, Has there, obviously you're one that believes that, I'm going to ask you again, do you hear or do you believe in the voice of God saying, okay, Nick, this is okay, I've got your back basically for this? Or I mean, I
1: absolutely believe in the voice of God. I don't know that I've ever heard God say, uh, okay, Nick, go do that. I've got your back in this. But I definitely have heard God audibly talk to me in other situations in life. Um, again, and I pray for wisdom. I think, you know, uh, uh, the wisdom comes from above for sure. There's no question in my mind at least. And, um, you know, it's it's again, it's important that I have that faith, that trust in God. Um, but it's also important that I train properly, that I'm prepared for any event. It's not as though, uh, you know, often I'll hear uh, religious people say, You know, you're testing God, how dare you? Well, the truth is, in my opinion, if I was testing God, I wouldn't train at all. I would just get out on a wire and walk it. Uh, However, I train extremely hard. We do studies over years. As a matter of fact, for the Grand Canyon, we did four years of studies, finding that the winds didn't exceed 55 miles per hour. Uh, So I trained with 90-mile-an-hour winds. I trained during a tropical storm with a torrential downpour uh, with 75-mile-an-hour winds so that I know that I'm prepared physically for what I have to do. Uh, and God, I believe, helps me, and that's where I find my strength uh, in the mental part of it, is I do a lot of meditating and a lot of praying and a lot of talking to God during these walks, as, you know, millions of people around the world have seen.
0: So keeping a quiet mind, I'm hearing that you meditate. Do you meditate while you're on the wire? I mean, is there, is there, is there some sort of um, procedure that you need to go through to keep your nerves down and to keep your focus?
1: You know, that, that's such a tough question to ask, and only because I've done it for so long, people say, well, how do you stay calm? How do you prepare yourself? And, and I do believe it's through meditation um, and focus. And a lot of what I do, for instance, Niagara Falls, I would sit along the falls and kind of just visualize myself making it across and uh, ta- spending time with God, talking to God, uh, again, asking for wisdom, um, that we know that God is in control of everything. And, uh, and it's very important that we respect that and that we know that, I believe.
2: So, Nick, looking back at the falls, because, you know, I, I literally my backyard that night, what was more difficult, the walk across the falls or the walk across the Grand Canyon?
1: Um, you know, they both were difficult in their, own, in their own rights. I would say the Grand Canyon was a bit more difficult because the winds were just that much stronger there. Uh, the, the falls were extremely intimidating. You know, to look across, I've got a photo of when I started and you couldn't see the other side. And uh, you just see me standing on the wire, but you don't see Canada at all. And that is extremely intimidating, as well as the fact that there's no way to really test what was going to happen out in the middle. We did the best we could um, with wind readings and such. But, um, you know, there were a lot of nerves involved of, well, what is, you hear all these updrafts and downdrafts and side drafts. And we were sitting there one day, and I was sitting there with my dad just talking, spending time out there. And he said, Nick, I want you to watch these birds as they fly through the middle of the falls. And I would watch them, and I'd watch them coast, and they'd kind of drift down towards the falls. And at no point would they get hit by an updraft and fly up 80 feet in the air all of a sudden. And that's really what helped me calm my nerves. And I believe, you know, those birds were probably sent there by God. At least at that point, definitely my dad had the wisdom to say that, because that really helped me calm down and relax. When I realized, yeah, you're right, birds are extremely light. They're made to fly, and they're floating through here. They're not getting shot 40 feet, 50 feet up in the air. They're floating right through the falls, and that helped me stay calm and relaxed. Leading up to that walk, but it was still very intimidating, um, especially with all that mist. And was I going to be able to see clearly once I got into the middle of that mist? Uh, so there was a lot going on through my mind. But the mist was a blessing in disguise, in a sense, because I was able to see the winds as they came at me. Uh, because there was mist in those winds, I could see them actually. Whereas in the Grand Canyon, I had two gusts of 48 to 50 miles per hour, from what I was told by Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel. And I. Uh, Couldn't see those gusts coming, so they would just all of a sudden smack me from the side, and um, you know it was—it's rough to maintain composure and maintain your balance when that happens. But again, they were both in their own uh, rights—you know, very unique and very challenging.
0: So amazing that you had the birds as as your advanced scouts, your advanced team to do a bit of work for you.
2: That's right. So Nick, have you ever had that moment? I guess it's—it's almost in psychology we kind of call it a brownout moment. It's where you're doing something and then reality of a different type kind of sets in and goes what the heck am I doing or where the heck am I right now and it kind of takes away from the focus have you ever had one of those because what you do obviously requires infinite amounts of mental discipline
1: you know I I was raised doing it I started walking wire when I was two so for seven generations my family's done it well over 200 years Um, so I've done it so long that it is life. My great-grandfather, Carl, Allende said life is on the wire, everything else is just waiting. And for our family, that's very true. But there are times where I'll sit at the dinner table with my family and I'll say, how did I get into it? I mean, what is this that I'm doing? I'm a, I walk on a wire. You know, it is. I can see it from the other side, too. And I can relate to those people that say that I'm insane. Now again, to me, it's life, and it's something I've done forever. A matter of fact, my mom was six months pregnant with me and walking the wire. So I've done it since before I was born, I've been on a wire. But um, there are times, never right before a performance, but um, we we'll are all just be sitting around going, wow, what a crazy occupation I have.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, we have to embrace that, that craziness or we'd never get anything done. I mean, it's all about pushing the envelope. But I'd like to take you back uh, quite a few years where, where you first got that notification that the Parks Commission said no. I'd like to know what your first reaction to that was. And you turned them around. Now, was that, was that persuasion? Was it persistence? Was it a balance of those two? How did you actually, behind the scenes, get them to change their mind?
1: You know, I think, I think it was a little bit of both. I think it was a little bit of God's favor in my life. And I think a little bit of it was um, persistence and persuasion. I sign most of my autographs, never give up. And hopefully what I do inspires people that no matter what their challenges are, what their dreams are, that, uh, you know, as long as they align with the Word of God, they'll pursue them. And um, and I, I just felt like from a young age that my great-grandfather had given me this vision from the age of about four to, to be the first person in the world to walk directly over the falls. And... You know, my mindset was nothing's going to get in my way. I'm going to figure out a way to do this. However, I am a man of integrity. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to have permission to do it. I'm not going to go out. Uh, You know, there's a gentleman named Philippe Petit who walked between the World Trade Centers uh, in the early '70s, I believe it was, and he didn't have permits. He snuck in. He got arrested afterwards. That's not me. That's not my style. It's not. uh, You know, a man of integrity wouldn't go out and do that. How am I going to be a role model to others if I'm I'm doing things that are illegal? Um, So, you know, once we had the U.S. side on board, we felt like we were in a a decent position, and we knew that we had to get one side or another. There was no reason why we went to the U.S. over Canada first, other than the fact that I'm a U.S. resident and and citizen, and I knew that uh, I had to get one side. If one side said no, then the other wouldn't matter. Uh, So once we had the U.S. side, um, you know, we went and knocked on doors. Uh, Over on the Canadian side, we found out that it was, in fact, the Parks Commission, whereas on the U.S. side, it was the actual uh, government that had to change a law. Um, and we had that first meeting, and uh, it was an extremely rough meeting, that, that parks meeting, which was a public, public meeting, um, behind uh, or in that meeting. My introduction was about a 10-minute introduction from the head of the Parks Department at that time, the general manager, uh, who introduced me by saying that uh, there is a law that's been in effect for over 100 years and the Parks has to stand by that law, and by no means will they change it. Please welcome Nick Valenda. Um, that was basically the sum of it. And, you know, I'm a positive person, so I got up there, and, and I don't let that stuff knock me down or tear me up. And I said, Here, here's, my, here's my desire, here's why I feel that it is something good for the area, you know, it wasn't just about Nick Walenda fulfilling a dream, but this was great for that area. Uh, economic impact of the area. We had studies done to show the money that we would bring in, uh, the amount of media attention. You know, one billion people within 24 hours around the world saw Nick Walenda and Niagara Falls. That's, that's money that, uh, that's, that's marketing that you can't afford. Um, so we went in with those numbers, and uh, they said, well, thank you very much, we'll get back to you in a couple of weeks, and we walked out of that room. Um, there was a bunch of media there, and they, of course, started questioning me about, well, look about your introduction. And, you know, the media likes to go after that sort of negativity, and I remained positive. And I said, look, uh, you know, I understand that, but I feel like we have a great case here. Again, I feel like it's great for the area. And uh, long story short, two weeks from that day, um, they, they said they'd get back to us in, I believe it was two weeks, maybe it was 10 days, but on the, on the 11th hour in the evening, I got a phone call saying, unfortunately, we're not going to allow you to do this um and it was a major blow and i remember sitting there and saying you know what um i believe that god has given me this desire one of my favorite bible scriptures is proverbs 3 5 and 6 which is trust the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understandings acknowledge him in all your ways and he will fill the desires of your heart and i i really felt like god uh, through my great grandfather had given me the desire to do this and i said well god you know they've said no but if this is meant to be, I believe it's meant to be, and there's, there's a, where there's a will, there's a way, and we'll get through this. And um, I'd found out at that point that uh, the government, in fact, controlled the Parks Department, and um, I went up and had some meetings with the government just saying, you know, here's what I'd like to do, here's what I'd like to do it. And uh, the government said, well, unfortunately, we can't do anything other than we see this as being, uh, you know, a good thing for the area as well. Um, and uh, we'll encourage the Parks Department to meet with you at least one more time, to give you one more chance. I feel like your first shot wasn't, wasn't the greatest shot. We'll give you, you know, we'll, we'll ask them. They said we can't even direct them to, but we'll ask them if they'll give you another shot. Um, and the, they did that. Uh, the Parks Department said, you know, you know what, we will let you come back up, but we want, uh, you know, a bunch of information. They requested a bunch of reports and a bunch of information on how it will happen, what will happen, what it will affect. Uh, You know, the environment's extremely important to us. We love nature, and the fact that there was no no environmental impact whatsoever from the walk, Uh, whatever I came there with left, and, you you know, we didn't tap into the side of the falls. We didn't damage anything. We didn't uh, touch anything, uh, any, you know, natural landmarks, if you will. So um, we, we had done all these reports, and we felt that at least we were getting a good shot at it. The first one we did, they didn't even ask any questions. It was I presented for 10 minutes, and that was it. Um, so we felt like at least now we're getting a fair chance. Uh, and we sent all that information, and uh, they, they came back to us in about two weeks and said we're going to have another meeting, another Parks Commission meeting, and we'd like you to fly up here for it, and uh, we'll talk about it again. We'll discuss it. Uh, you know, it's back on the table. And uh, we went back up, and um, at that meeting we all discussed it. They discussed it internally. We discussed it, and they had wrote amend- an amendment. Uh, right there in front of us, they wrote an amendment that they would allow me to do this. However, um, they would only, only allow one presentation of the sort every generation. So in other words, no one can do this again or even attempt to get permission for another generation, which I forgot how many years that is. <laughs> I think it's 20 years or so until um, the next generation can actually. And the cool thing was they said, you know, we know you're a family who's done this for many, many generations, and maybe your kids are going to want to do it, so we'll give them at least one chance, uh, you know, in their generation.
0: That's really, really nice that they, they did that. And it seemed like the second time they really actually heard what you were wanting to do.
1: Yeah, I, be, I believe that, uh, you know, I believe that they, uh, in the beginning, there, there wasn't. We really weren't given a fair shot and uh, because they didn't ask any questions. It was, again, a 10-minute presentation. They didn't even take any paperwork, anything. It was just they had their minds made up. And then at that second chance, when we went back, it became more and more real. Um, And I think, you know, they had all the information at that point. They could read over it and say, "Wow, this isn't just somebody who's just going to come in here and and try to make make a name for himself and walk out. You know, he comes from a name. He comes from generations of this, and he isn't affecting the environment. And it's true that, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, at that point I think we estimated about uh, 350 to 500, or or, sorry, uh, yeah, to 500 million people would, would see the, uh, the event or the likeness of it within, within the next month, whereas it, in fact, was a billion people in 24 hours. But they saw the, the uh, benefit to them. It, again, it was a great benefit to the area as well.
2: Oh, it was phenomenal, Nick. Like I said, I was there leading up to it. Actually, I was in the mayor of Niagara Falls office the, when the first no came through. And I remember Jimmy saying, oh, this will come to pass because this guy's a great guy and it'll happen. And it's kind of interesting, Nick. You're the second guy, honestly, that I've spoken to. And first guy I know uh, that I know as well, too, went over the falls, except he went over in a barrel. The guy I went to high school with, he actually was one of the guys that went over in a barrel and survived. Wow. So let me ask you this, Nick. Um how often does doubt come in do you say that you do get that moment of doubt i know you know we're all human there has to be that moment of doubt that occasionally comes in what happens when that moment comes in You know,
1: I I think our minds are extremely powerful, and I think that we are in control of our thoughts, you know, and I I get rid of those thoughts. I filter those thoughts out, and um, I think in life in general, if we can all learn to do that, our lives go so much more smoothly. There are times in life where I have doubts about my marriage. It has nothing to do with wire walking or my safety, but I filter those thoughts out, you know. and, and I think that's very important in life, no matter what we're dealing with. Uh, temptations come our way, and if we can filter those out, if we're addicted to a drug of some sort, and as those temptations come in and we say, no, I don't want that in my life, I don't want those thoughts. But the more we embrace those thoughts, the more those temptations grow. And uh, I think that, again, as, as human nature, we need to learn to filter that stuff out. I filter out all negativity. And in the same, in the process of getting permission for Niagara Falls, there was a lot of nasty news articles that were out there and people saying horrible things. And I could sit there and, and, and dwell on all of that, or I could filter that out and say, no, you know, I'm not going to enter into that. I'm going to control those thoughts, and I'm going I'm to remain positive through all of this. Now, there's times where I am negative, and you know, I'm human too, but I, I do my best to try to take control and take all of those thoughts captive
2: well let's go the other side then what kind of adrenaline rush do you get after crossing the falls or the grand canyon it must be monumental (laughs) it is it's
1: it's interesting in my line of work because i've done it my entire life it's very very um it's not very often that i'll get a, a huge rush out of what i do um i would say the the biggest rush i got in the last several years were two of them. And it's as I walked over the precipice of Niagara Falls and looked straight down, uh, that was a rush. It was like, wow, this is real. Uh, You know, I'm doing something no one in the world ever has done before. And of course, when I get to the other end, you see where I run. And that's because there's a rush. It's, I'm there. I've done it. I've completed it. I've won the race. I've ran the marathon. Um, You know, it's that feeling. It's that amazing feeling of I've accomplished this. I've accomplished another dream. And that's where I'll get those rushes more than anything. Um, On an average walk, there is such a thing. And I don't treat them as average as far as safety they're all just as dangerous one as the other my great grandfather did many amazing walks around the world and lost his life on one in san juan puerto rico that was only 100 feet high and 100 feet across but it's still dangerous it's just as dangerous as niagara or grand canyon clearly because it did take his life so i treat them all that way but i normally don't get a rush on those walks that is just my line of work. It's what I do. Uh, matter of fact, last week I walked across the top of the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, in front of about 40,000 people that were there and spoke the entire time. I talked to the crowd, um, trying to inspire them and encourage them. And, uh, but that is just kind of through the paces, although I do take it serious. I'm very focused, but that is something that I'm very familiar with, very accustomed with, very comfortable with.
0: So then no one can accuse you of being an adrenaline junkie then. You don't just do this for the kicks.
1: No, you know, it's again it is it is funny and I think that's because I've done it so long because there are other people that do you know slacklining is becoming a huge fad and they'll go behind the between these you know these mountainsides and such and they, they do it for the kick they do it for the adrenaline and uh and I, do, I don't do it for that. Again, I I truly hope that what I do inspires people. I I've, I've been blessed with a very unique platform and opportunity to hopefully encourage and inspire people that not to walk a wire but you know, whether they're facing a challenge of, you know, battling cancer, let's say, and, you know, Nick will end made it to the other side of Niagara Falls. Well, I can make it through this, too, because I'm going to look at the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to look at the other side. I'm going to look at Canada, uh, you know, that light over there. I'm not going to look at the mist, and I'm not going to look at the falls underneath me churning, and I'm not going to look at that wind, but I'm going to focus on the other end, and I'm going to make it through this just like Nick did.
0: Awesome. Now, I'm going to ask a difficult question. Has y- you you trust God to to guide you as to what you should be doing has have you ever encountered a situation where you feel God's told you not to do this and if so what have you done
1: no you know I I haven't been in that situation I um again I pray for wisdom before I even seek permission to do this stuff before I get to that point um and and I believe I believe God works I think God's very works in a very natural way in a lot of senses And, uh, you know, even for Niagara Falls, I I would talk to God, and I said to God, "Hey, you know, God, I don't want permission for this. If this is not what you want me to do, I don't mind them saying no. I feel like this is a desire you put in my heart. I don't understand why people are saying no, but if this is something that you don't want me to do, I don't want permission. I don't want them to say yes. Um, And I believe God works in a natural way like that. There have been walks that I've sought after that I've not got permits for. And, uh, you know, in, and I find peace in that. I go, okay, well, then there's a reason for that, and I'll move on to the next one. Um, so, so, again, I, I don't know of any situations where I've, I've felt, you know, God audibly say, no, you're not supposed to do this. Uh, if he did, I would, gu- I would guarantee you I'd heed to that voice, mm-hmm. uh, and I wouldn't be doing that. But I believe that, um, you know, a lot of prayer goes into what I do, and a lot of, um, I pray for a lot of wisdom. You know, King Solomon and all of his wisdom, and, and I pray for that kind of wisdom.
0: So that first refusal from the Niagara Parks Commission wasn't God saying, no, don't do this. It was probably, Nick, keep trying.
1: Well, I think the the reason, the the way that I took that um, and the reason why I continued to pursue that is because it was clear that there wasn't even, that first meeting, there wasn't even any thought put into it. They had made up their minds. It was a no. They said it before I was even able to go up to to talk. I mean, they said this will be a no. (laughs) Uh, They flat out said it. So I knew I didn't even have a fair shot at it. Um and that 's why I continue to pursue it um and and again, I also pray a lot about that and 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 you know I ask God, hey, am I to continue to pursue this, or am I to give it up? But um, I really felt like there was a reason that I was supposed to continue to pursue it. And uh, something that was, again, a desire that was put in my heart from a young age. And although I didn't understand, um, but I didn't lean on my own understandings because uh, I, I knew that this was something that, it was it was an, an, an urge in my heart, and I really felt like it was an urge from God that I was to do this, that I was to pursue this. And um, and again, the reason why I feel like God was doing that, in when I look back and I look... And and I see the outcome, was really to inspire and encourage people that in all walks of life, you know, the fact that uh, I stay calm and peaceful and relaxed by praising the name of Jesus while I'm walking and, and talking to God, um, I think that encouraged, actually, I know I've gotten thousands upon thousands of letters and emails after Niagara Falls as well as the Grand Canyon of people that were inspired and encouraged and people that, you know, that, uh, you know I have a story of somebody who couldn't walk without, um, without crutches. And um, they saw me walk, and they decided, you know what, I'm going to pick my crutch up, turn it sideways like a balancing pole, and start talking to God. And, you know, for not walking for six years, they were able to take 15 steps that first try.
2: It's really interesting, Nick. In fact, I don't know if you're familiar with Nick Vucisics. He's the uh, Australian Christian evangelist. Yeah, who, yeah absolutely. Who tremendous inspirational fellow and it's kind of interesting he goes about it a different way by showing how you can overcome anything because nick himself was born without any arms or legs and he does it a different way and the way you go about doing it is is motivational yet in another way and i would say in a more visual way so with that said what is there left for you nick in terms of Conquering, what if you had your dream high wire crossing, your next one or the ultimate one? Because I, where do you go after Niagara Falls or the Great Canyon? Like, where, what is there?
1: You know, it, it is a bit of a challenge. I think that people are fascinated with just Nick Walenda as a person, hopefully, and inspired by him, and they'll follow me You know, no matter where I go next. I, I really want to do a big city walk, you know, at least 500 feet up between, uh, you know, over a major city, um, and uh, so that's something that I'm working on right now. I, I also have uh, dreams of going over a, um, an active uh, pool of um, lava uh, of, of a volcano, um, so that's another dream of mine as well that I think would be you know just extremely fascinating. The idea is you know it's still Nick Volando walking a wire, but what are the fascinating places that he can walk? You know what are the fascinating backgrounds? And and a lot of it is you know that background is half the story. Niagara Falls was half the story that night, uh, Grand Canyon as well. And really, it's it's as much about Nick Valenda conquering something that most people are deathly afraid of um, and hopefully inspiring them. But it's also about that background and showing that, showcasing that to the world.
0: I, if you're talking about, uh, you know, things that people are afraid of, I, I suggest you walk from the CN Tower across to one of our other buildings downtown over rush hour traffic, because I know there's a lot of people here that would find that pretty... Pretty scary. But. <laughs>
1: Actually, I'd probably be safer walking a wire above it rather than crossing the street during rush hour, though.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So what's what's next for Nick Walenda 10, 15 years down the road? I personally, just by hearing you and seeing you, I sense a wonderful future as a motivational speaker because... You, you seem to have been able to teach yourself to drown out the negativity, to turn it off as, it, as if it were almost like a light switch. And I think that's something that really that message needs to get across to a lot of people. Do you see yourself doing that at some point in the future?
1: Absolutely. I mean, that is—that's definitely where I see my future going. I do a little bit of it now. It's kind of the beginning stages. I've—I've probably done about uh, ten of them so far. As a matter of fact, I'll be doing one next week as well. And, um, you know, that's—it's an interesting thing. But you know, I'm a wire walker, and that's stepping out of my comfort zone. And I think a lot of people in life need to step out of their comfort zone. And I think they'd make it so much further in life. It's so easy to become very complacent because, well, it's okay because this is what I've done every day and it works and at least I'm making ends meet and everything's fine. Well, stepping out of those comfort zones uh, help us grow and grow into better people and bigger people and hopefully encourage and inspire and, and, um, and you know, help our families and such. So, um, and that's part of motivational speaking for me is really, honestly, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone to do that. And it's been very, very fulfilling. It's been very, very enjoying. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of joy out of doing it and um, and definitely plan on continuing to do it in the future. I see my wire-walking career as far as these big events. Um, there'll be a day where I'll stop, and I've said probably – forty five to fifty i 'm thirty five now so another ten to fifteen years and i 'll be done with doing that and I hope to be able to pass on what I do to others, and whether it be through inspiring and encouraging words, or even uh, you know a training facility i 'm building in my hometown of Sarasota, Florida, right now, where people will be able to come in and, and learn how to walk a wire and, and, and if nothing else, not to take it professional necessarily, but more to inspire them that they can do things that they thought was impossible. They can get on a cable the size of a nickel. Uh, Um, five-eighths of an inch, and they can walk across a wire that they thought, there's no way I can cross that. But within a week um, down low um, in a safe environment with mats underneath, I believe that I can get them to make it across and hopefully, again, encourage and inspire them that they can make it through any challenges they'll face in life.
2: It's amazing, Nick. And for anybody uh, listening, uh, Nick's uh, book, Balance, A Story of Faith, Family, and Life on the Line, is definitely worth reading definitely picking it up and you know what Nick before we let you go we got you for a few more moments I want to ask you a question because somebody had asked me to ask you this is have you ever had a phobia yourself or do you have any phobias like i.e. spiders snakes or anything like that because most people a lot of people have a fear of heights and you definitely don't have that but do you have any sort of bizarre little phobia
1: you know I, I think that's another encouraging thing for people or hopefully it is is it's it's I take what you would call fear and call it respect When I walk up to the edge of a 20-story building, my heart beats, too, and it goes, hey, it's dangerous. You don't want to go down there. Uh, And if you do, you want to take the elevator, definitely. Um, So I I call it respect, and that's the same thing with snakes and spiders. I respect them. I respect the fact that certain snakes are dangerous and such. I'm not very... uh, you know, I'm not a, a snake fan, that's for sure, but I'm, not, I'm definitely not deathly afraid of any of that. I, th- I would say the only fears in life I have are probably, this, uh, well, definitely the fear of God in a respectful way and probably the fear of my wife. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so with your family, um, has there ever been a point, Nick, where they say, you know what, Dad, this is making us nervous, or do, they, do you always have their A-OK
1: that's another uh, a great question, and I've been asked it in a different form in the sense that what if your family says no? Uh, I don't want you to do this. What if your son says, Dad, I don't want you to do this? Then I would have to give it up. It would be hard because this is my passion, but I have to respect the fact because uh, you know they are my, my children, they are my family, and I have to respect that. Up until this point, they've been very supportive. Yes, they get nervous, of course. Um, But I think a lot of kids whose parents are police officers probably get nervous uh, when their parents uh, go to work. And it becomes natural after a while. But I'm guessing in the beginning stages, at least if it was my father, and he was going to go out on the the beat and and be a police officer, I'd be worried at least the first couple months. And uh, I think eventually you get used to it. You say, okay, well, that's what he does. And he knows what he's doing. He's trained for it. And I think that's the same case with my family is they know my abilities. They know that I train properly and they know that, um, that I'm prepared for whatever I'll face, but we all live a dangerous life. When we get in our car and drive, what I do, I, I feel like I'm very in control of, um, the only thing I can't control is the weather, but I can train for that. Um, And I believe that, um, you know, we're not in control. We're definitely not in control of that other driver on the highway who's coming head on at us. So um, what I do is very calculated. It's a very calculated risk. But again, there's a lot of danger in in everything that we all do every day. We just are so complete, we're so accustomed to it. It's just normal.
0: So I get the last question, and uh, it will be on my next trip to Siesta Key, because I love getting down there quite often. Will your school be open so that you can teach me, a guy with a fear of heights, to do what you do?
1: Well, it depends on when your next trip is, but we are in the, in the process of designing the facility now. So I would say within the next uh, eight months to a year, it will be, uh, it'll be up and ready to go.
0: Awesome. I will have my money put aside so that you can put me through the paces.
1: <laughs> Sounds great. Look forward to it. Nick,
2: you are truly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, a God-given inspiration to us all, and we are so appreciative, my friend for joining us.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. and I'm sure we'll talk again in the future.
2: God bless. God bless.
0: You are listening to Matters of the Mind. The doc is online on talk-radio.ca. We'll be right back after this short break
2: do you or anyone you know has an anger management issue Well, if you do perhaps i've got the answer for you in my book what's your anger type you'd be able to learn to identify control and modify your anger immediately and also downplay a situation where somebody else has a bad anger problem what's your anger type is an interactive informative book which deals with your anger management problems and those around you in a whole new light you will be able to identify your anger type your triggers and the best way to handle all situations fact there's 12 different anger types what type are you also learn the anger management strategies tailor made for your specific anger type learn how to recognize your negative thought patterns leading to mood swings learn how to handle criticism and personal attacks better and best of all feel and be the best that you want to be you can read excerpts from what's your anger type at my website www.petersacco.com. don't let your anger control you learn to control it
0: you're listening to mental health matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco, on radio that doesn't suck.com and RTDS.ca.
2: Welcome back to Matters of the Mind. The Doc is online. That'd be me, Dr. Peter Sacco, and my co-host, Todd Miller. And we just watched, I guess, Nick walk our high wire, so <laughs> to speak, and he survived us. So actually, hopefully that wasn't the scariest thing he's asked to do today. So with that said, Todd, okay, all joking aside, would you, if you went for the training Nick is talking about, would you actually go and try this yourself?
0: Oh, boy. Um, my sense of balance is pretty good. I must admit that. Um, mind you, I, I can't remember now what, what the diameter of that cable was. It was something ridiculous, like four inches or something, the circumference of it. Uh, you know, when I walk on that, maybe, you know, obviously you start, you know, two feet off the ground with a, with a net underneath you, and then you go higher and higher and higher. The thing that throws me off is the the optics of it. I know when I'm in the CN Tower and I'm on that glass floor, I'm okay standing on the glass floor until I focus through it and I see something on the ground and I go, oh, wow, we're quite high. And that would be the same thing with me walking out, you know, on a wire. Or even if I go, you know, some of our, our... Parks, uh, you know, have these wonderful uh, suspension bridges that you can walk across, and you're going up these stairs, and you can see through them. You know, if you don't look down, you're fine, but if you try and focus and you actually make contact with something on the ground, for me, that's when my... I almost get vertigo, and I want to just sort of fall. Can you identify with that? Like, where you sort of get almost dizzy? It's like you sort of realize, whoa, I'm actually this high.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know what? It's it's interesting, because somebody I was... uh, A message from Facebook while we were online with Nick. Somebody asked me because they knew about this thing that Nick is going to be doing there. um, Wanted to know, what about weight restrictions on the high wire? Like, you know, this fellow actually says, Pete, I'm 285 pounds. How does that bode for me? And I'm thinking, wow, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you know, I was looking at his uh, Wikipedia entry there. And, you know, they they list his weight, and it is, as I scroll up here quickly, uh, 193 pounds. So, you know, he's got about, I got about 60 pounds on him, I think. So, uh, you know, not out of the question for someone my size to get up there. Um, I think what's more important is, again, your balance, uh, your sense of being, you know, how you carry yourself, your center of gravity. I think that's probably really important. Um, Somebody that would be really top-heavy. You know, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger would probably not be a good wire walker because their center of gravity shifted a lot higher. I would think if your center of gravity is lower, you'd be more successful at it.
2: I think it's, for me, it's just a good place to stay right on the ground.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sit on the edge of the falls and watch Nick do it again and in, uh, you know, well, actually, as I said, 20 years. I thought a lifetime or a generation probably would have been, uh, I guess, 20 years. I thought it would have been more like 50, but so since he's retiring in 10 to 15 years and they're not allowing anyone to do it for another 20 we're thinking it's probably one of Nick's kids that will be crossing next time
2: yeah I know there's like living here growing up here there's been this has been an ongoing thing I know of another fellow that's wanted to and he's constantly been told no and as I brought it up with Nick I went to high school with one fellow that went over the falls in a barrel and survived Um, and that is definitely a no no you can't and go over the falls in a barrel, permission or no permission, when, you get when charged. This?
0: When was this? Recently? I'm going to,
2: in the 80s I believe.
0: Because you back. know, I, I think barrel over the falls and I'm thinking the 40s, the 50s when there's a black and white camera filming somebody going over. But the 80s.
2: Yeah, this was uh, back I believe in the uh, late 80s. Maybe it might have been as recent, which is not really recent, as the early 90s. But, oh, well, I know the fellow, and he is not a small fellow, small guy. He's about 6'3". Big guy. He used to play hockey. And, uh, yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, he survived it. He made it. Um, there's been a lot of others that didn't make it. But um, I, I think, you know, and it's, it's like Nick brought up. And, you know, this is part of the show, not only on accomplishing your dreams and goals based on faith, but also watching how far we push ourselves just based on adrenaline. Because I think Nick said it best. It's not about the adrenaline rush and it's not about living in fear or overcoming fears, but it's learning self-discipline and respect, respect for what you're doing and respect for what's going on around you.
0: Yeah. And I was even going to tailor that to call it a healthy respect because it's You know, it's like more than just acknowledging it. It's like, oh, yes, you know, respect in the sense that I'm going to steer clear of it or I'm going to give it um, consideration. And as as he said, you know, this is not something I just jump up on a wire and God's going to get me across. There's planning, there's scientists, there's meteorologists, there's, um, you know, production experts that spend, I don't know how long, maybe a year before he actually does one of these, surveying, measuring, you know, double-checking two and three times. Because as he says, you know, when I get out in the middle we can't measure that. We're sort of on either side going, okay, here's what the winds do. But when he's out in the middle, he's kind of at the mercy of the weather. So, mm-hmm. so being really prepared certainly helps.
2: You know what? He brought up a really great point, and I'm glad he brings it up. That You know, he says a lot of Nick, you know, you ask Nick, well, is it really that hard? Yeah, obviously crossing, you know, going over the falls. But, you're, you know, your state of mind, fear. It's like he says, you, you don't really have a place in your mind very long for doubt um, or being afraid. When you think about it each and every day, as soon as you go into your vehicle, pull out of your driveway, you're putting yourself at risk because like Nick says, he's walking over the falls of the Grand Canyon and he's in total control, other than you know the potential weather elements. But as you said, Todd, he's already got meteorologists that prepare him for that. But each and every day, and this is something that people need to rest on and take comfort in, that if you're out driving a vehicle, going to work every day, each and every day, you've conquered something that a lot of people can't do, which is either drive or some people are afraid of driving. And more accidents happen with driving than they do, you know, high-wire acts, plane crashes and all that stuff because we're doing something each and every day that puts us at risk. But I think living your life is meant to be a risk, because if you don't take any risks, you're basically existing and enduring life rather than enjoying life.
0: Yeah, it's, um, you know, like like Nick said, there's that comfort zone where you sort of put up with what you're comfortable with, because you're afraid to take a chance. Um, you know, and it's, um, there's a healthy respect or respect, as Nick says, to get out of that comfort zone and try something that challenges you and try something that's going to stretch your boundaries. And as as Nick acknowledged, you know, hey, being a public speaker gets me out of my comfort zone. It's not what I'm really here to do, but he's got such a uh, such an incredible, empowering message that it needs to get out. And uh, he does that while he's on his walks. You know, there's no question. And by demonstrating it, saying, here's what I'm doing, you know, to to challenge myself in life. So he's a visual example, as you said. He's doing it visibly out in the public, but verbally, too. I think at some and he said he said he's done 10 of these motivational talks so far, but he probably needs to do a lot more and do a speaking tour and, and get out there and just really kick people in the butt and say, you can do it if you really want to. Be prepared, but take chances.
2: Absolutely. And you know what? We have Nick on, you know, we had Nick on the show today because we're looking from a Frame point of inspiration and goal setting and goal achieving, but you know, let's be real realistic here. We 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 put somebody on our show that's on a greater extreme of accomplishment. Um, and you know what? We might ask Nick. We might have asked him. Well, Nick, what do you think about something else like balancing ledgers or income statements? What an accountant does, and he might have said, "Holy cow, that scares the heck out of me. I can't do that." And the point is, is that everybody's gifted within their own right and everybody has as Nick says a dream a God-given dream within their heart the problem is is too many people get talked out of their dreams it's like well that's impossible you can't do that that's silly that's ridiculous and that's the point you know that Nick makes and I think any positive thinker makes that everybody from the time you're born until you know later on in life and I don't think you're ever too old to achieve a dream obviously a reasonable dream and the problem is Todd I think we let other people talk us out of them where we start to believe it ourselves that i can't do this
0: i think everyone can identify with at least one instance in their life where a parent or someone in a position of authority has said you can't do that and here's why whether it's a teacher or you know anyone that you view as a as an authority figure has said can't do it uh uh-uh, uh isn't going to happen Uh, And sometimes the the argument or the uh, reasons why will be logical and heartfelt because they're worried about us. And other times, they just sort of want to bubble wrap you. And I'm one of those bubble wrap parents. I'll I'll freely admit it. I'm the kind that wants to wrap my kids in bubble wrap so that nothing happens to them and they don't get hurt. And my partner, my wife, is someone that will let them climb the tree because if they fall, then they get hurt and they learn, oh, maybe I need to use two hands or... If I ride my bike, maybe I need to slow down. So she's more about letting them learn their own lessons. And I have to really focus hard on on changing that about myself so that I let them experience something outside of my comfort zone or their comfort zone.
2: Absolutely, Todd. And you know what? To quote somebody that I've always held dear um, as an inspiration to me all the way back to my childhood, he always says there's two basic motivating, motivating forces, fear and love. And to quote him, as he put, when I was five years old, my mother always told me that happiness was the key to life. When I went to school, they asked me one day what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I wrote down happy. They told me I didn't understand the assignment, and I told them they didn't understand life. And that was John Lennon. Yep,
0: yeah, I've heard that quote many, many times, and it is quite a good one because it's uh, you know, there's there's someone that truly, truly, truly experienced life from the highs and the lows, um, and uh, broke a lot of rules and probably offended quite a few people in his time, his short time on this earth, but. You know, I I would think if we had the ability to talk to him now, he would probably say, yeah, 40 years, I had a pretty good life.
2: Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Anybody listening, and this really is the key to life. If you believe you can do it, you probably can. If you believe you can't do it, you're probably right with that one.
0: And either way, (laughs) you're probably right.
2: And so at the end of the day, Todd, I think, you know what? And I've always... this out there for students, for people I've helped back in the day in counseling, for people who read my books and that stuff, we are all given a blank canvas. You have to look at it this way, life is a canvas and the key thing you have to look at is you're the artist. You get to paint whatever colors you want, whatever masterpieces on that canvas that you want because it's your canvas. And the problem is is when you let other people start painting your canvas, putting their colors in and their brushes, their strokes and all that stuff, it's cool sometimes if they're complimenting your life and accenting your own masterpiece, but when they start to paint your masterpiece, that's not your life anymore. You have to live your life your way by your rules.
0: Grab the brushes back because it's your it's your masterpiece, right?
2: Absolutely. So thanks for listening today. And as Todd and I said before, do not go and attempt any high wire acts before you first consult with Nick Willenda School of. Walking, I guess.
0: I will see you down there at the school in Sarasota. I will be the uh, the chunky guy up on the uh, on the the wire, learning how to walk. But join us right back here next Wednesday at eight PM. And if you miss the show, don't forget it's on demand the next day. Go to Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca and uh, check out Dr. Sacco's information there with a lovely little link at the bottom for on-demand shows. And pretty soon we are coming to iTunes podcasting, which will be great. So thanks for listening. We will catch you right back here next week on Matters of the Mind. If you- You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Reach him on his website, petersacco.com, or you can reach him through listen up at talk-radio.ca. We really thank you for listening. Reach out to us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash listen up talk radio. On Twitter at, at listenup talk. We'll catch you next week. You don't need no man is not your man. I'm right. a